way. As a matter of fact, I've been in ministry long enough and I've dealt with people long enough that I have seen some adults thrown greater temper tantrums than I ever saw when my kids were two. I mean, things that, that it's just like, well, if you're not going to give me my way, here's what's going to happen. And listen, let's, let's be real. Let's, let's be honest. We all have our struggles. We all have our difficulties. We all have our own desires and thought processes. But throwing a temper tantrum when we don't get our way is far from the way to get our way, isn't it? I mean, the reality is every time my son or my daughters would throw a temper tantrum, if I gave them what they wanted, all I'm doing is feeding the idea that if you throw a fit, you get what you want. When the truth of the matter is, the scripture is very clear that immaturity is not what God wants in our life. And while you look at it and you say, well, man, you're kind of grasping at straws, there is some truth behind this in the fact that there are people, and oftentimes what we have to understand, there is a goal in our life, in our relationship with Jesus, that needs to be stepping into a mature phase or a mature aspect of what's going on. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this question, why? And, and what we're answering is the statements based upon our vision statement, all right? And I want to give you a clarifying statement. Number one, our mission is to lead people to believe, or sorry, sorry, that's our vision statement. Our mission is taking life in Christ to our neighbors and nations. That's the gospel lived out. That's what Matthew 28 talks about, to take life in Christ to our neighbors and the nations. And then we have our vision statement, which is the way we're saying we're accomplishing our mission. We want to lead people to believe the truth of Jesus Christ, that Jesus died on the cross, he rose again, he offers us life and life more abundantly, when we put our faith and trust in him. Number two, we say we want to lead people to believe the truth of Jesus Christ, to belong to a cause bigger than themselves. That causes the church. And we talked about that last week. What's it mean to be connected to and to be a part of the church? If you grew up in the Southern Baptist Church, or if you grew up in church back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, there was this mentality that if I'm a part of the church, that I can do what I want, I can make statements how I want, I can get what I want. I remember a person telling me one point when I was new in ministry, do you know how much money I give to the church? And I went, what's that got to do with anything? Well, then you should give me my way. And it was like, wait, that's like called a country club. That's not a church country club says I'm going to pay in my dues and you better serve me how I'm supposed to be served when the reality is the church is called not to be a country club but a church and at the same likewise manner the church is called to become mature in Jesus Christ and so I say that cautiously but at the same time to let us know that at times what happens in the lives of believers, and I'll even be honest, what we oftentimes see in the lives of unbelievers is the fact that we haven't matured or grown in our relationship with Christ and or with other people. Matter of fact, a couple years ago, and it's probably one of my favorite sermon series I can remember doing, we did a sermon series called The Table. Anybody here remember that? At the table, we had a table up here on stage set up. We had four chairs and we had a high chair off to the side right? The first chair represents people that we invite into to become a part of the table. Why? Because fellowship goes on around the table. Feeding goes on around the table. When we feed others, what we're feeding them as believers is the word of God, the bread of life. That's Jesus Christ. And we have a table reserved for those who don't know Jesus, those who are longing to know more about who Jesus is. And then we have this idea where we're moving people around the table. We want to move people from an infant stage to a child, to an adolescent, to an adult. And here's what's crazy about it. We had a high chair off to the side. 
And for years, there were people who had been in the church and they sat on Sunday mornings and they didn't necessarily grow in the word. And they said, listen, if I don't get my way, I'm going to throw a fit, which is just like what happens when a kid's in a high chair and doesn't get what he wants to eat, right? Like we're trying to feed you the bread of life. I don't want that. And it's like, what is going on with you? And that is the sign of immaturity when we play this out. What we have to begin to understand is that God wants us all to mature. And so what I said from the get-go is we have people who are in an infant stage, a child stage, an adolescent stage, and then an adult stage. And maturity is always the process of growing in my relationship with Christ and within the body of Christ, in other words, with other believers, and in relationship with those who are outside the church. I think one of the biggest struggles that the church faces now is we had a lot of people who made it to like this adolescent phase, right? We got to this point where we're, we're, we're getting to this point where we, we understand we're starting to grow, but there's still an immaturity there, and then we hear statements like this. Well, preacher, it's not my job to share the gospel. I bring them and you do that. That's an adolescent. Well, preacher, I'm not going to share the gospel because I'm afraid of what my friends might think. That's a child. Well, preacher, you're asking me to ask people or to talk to people about who Jesus is? I don't want to offend them because that just might, that might make me lose that relationship. Now we're back in the child phase. And what we have to begin to understand is all of those phases are going to be part of the process of growth. And so if I would identify and say, hey, listen, I'm a new believer, then you're in the infant stage. And it's okay to be the infant stage. It's never wrong to be in the infant stage. But here's the problem. If we stay in the infant stage, what do we end up having? problems, right? Because if I stay in the infant stage, then I'm not maturing and I'm not growing and I'm not moving in a process to go from an infant to a child. Let's be realistic. If my son, who's 15 now, was to act like a two-year-old, we'd be having some serious problems, right? (laughs) Okay. So if we think through this process, the process of growth is a path to maturity that Jesus has set up for us from the very get-go. And what we see here in Ephesians chapter 4 is exactly that. Listen to some of these statements. I want you to think about this. Spiritual maturity is a lifelong pursuit that is not reached by the passing of years, but by the obedience to the will of God. Spiritual maturity is a lifelong pursuit. And it's only achieved by obedience to the will of God. John Stott says this, Christians who neglect the Bible simply do not mature. Howard Hendricks, another Christian author and writer, pastor, has said this, the Bible is the divine means of developing spiritual maturity. There is no other way. Tony Evans, great African-American pastor down in Texas, says this, God will meet you where you are in order to take you where he wants you to go. That's spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is that God is attempting and pursuing and longing after you, giving you an opportunity for a relationship. And what we want to do is to encourage us that all of us in some way, shape, or form are part of a growing process in order to mature, to become more, listen, not to become more different than a particular party or not to become more conservative on these things, but to become more Christ-like. Every avenue and aspect of my life, the goal should be to become more and more Christ-like in everything I do. That how I respond to people and individuals, how I respond to elections, how I respond to adverse or bad attitudes from people, that all of those things are played out by 
how am I obedient to Christ? Because the goal is that I grow up into him who is the head. Listen to what he says, and here's my big statement for today. If you remember anything, I want you to remember this, that God created you to know him, to grow up in him, and to point others to him. You get that big picture. God created you and I to know him in a personal relationship, number one, and to, listen, to grow up in him and to point others to him. All of those things are the main goal. What is the main word that you see there consistently? Him. That's the main point. Like everything in church should be about Jesus Christ. The first and foremost thing is always about lifting up Jesus. Matter of fact, the Bible is very clear that it says that if we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out in our place. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the one who sits by silently while everything else in all creation is, 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 is literally proclaiming the goodness and the glory of Jesus Christ in every way, shape, and form possible. I mean, could you imagine that? When we go outside and whether we look at the stars or the sun, the moon, if we stand around and look at the beauty of all creation, and let's be honest, regardless of what's going on in society, if you will look at the beauty of people and how God created them, that you begin to see, God, I can't help but stay silent. I should not stay silent. I can't help but speak. And so God created you to know him. God created you to grow up in him, and God created you to point others to him. So what does the path to maturity look like? Number one, maturity takes preparation. I want you to think about it this way. Listen to what he says, starting in verse 11. To prepare God's people for works of service. Now, let me be clear, and let me be very point blank. Listen to what he says. It was some, or it was he who gave some to be what? Apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to do what? Prepare God's people. Ha! Here's the big kicker. And here's where most people who are sitting in the pew start to go, well, pastor's taking his side. Like, pastor's taking his stance. Can I ask you, what is the role of the pastor? To lead the flock, based upon this section right here. To what? Prepare God's people for works of... It doesn't say it's the job of the pastor to do all the work. Uh Uh-oh. Ouch. See, in the church I grew up in, the mentality was, no, 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 that's the pastor's job. That's why we pay you. Like, you're the hired hitman. Like, pastor, when I got a problem, I'm going to come in and drop a few dollars, and I'm going to have you go to the hospital bed, and you're going to share the gospel with my friend. Or I'm going to have you go to my neighbor, and you are going to share the gospel with my friend. And I'm going to have you... Be the one who does it all. What does it say? It is the role of apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors, and shepherds to prepare God's people for works of service. So maturity takes preparation. In other words, I have to put in the work. Maturity is seen as we prepare to serve in the church as well as outside the church. It's the idea of developing, listen, a championship caliber team. I mean, think about this mentality. That would be like Chiefs fans saying, well, it's Andy Reid's job to do everything. And Andy Reid would laugh at you. He'd be like, bro, what, what? this is football. This is a team sport. I'm 68 years old, whatever he is now. If you think I'm going to go out and block and run and pass and play defense, you're high. 
But think about it. The role of what God is setting up here is he is developing, listen, a championship caliber team. Do you hear the big word at the end? Team. In other words, together everyone accomplishes more. That when the church works together, everyone accomplishes more. When the church operates with the proper functionality and and understanding what's going on, then everything or everyone accomplishes more. We're able to do that. We're able to develop a championship caliber team when everyone plays or carries their part. Enable or preparation is this idea of enabling or preparing others to exercise their own respective ministries so the body is built to maturity, wholeness, and unity. See, when I play my part, then I benefit and help the body. The body is being built up is like, or building up the body is like hiring a personal trainer. Carry out this idea just a little bit farther. See, a personal trainer, every personal trainer I know has the passion and desire to see you become healthy and stronger. But guess what they can't do for you? They can't do the work. They can't get on the bench press. They can't get on the leg machine. They can't do the running. They can't watch what they eat and help you out. What do they do? They prepare you for what? The wise decision so that you can grow to become mature, to become healthy, to become strong. And that's exactly what's played out here in Scripture. What we end up seeing is that when the pastors and the shepherds and the apostles and all those play in the proper role and we sit under that leadership and we begin to work and prepare under that, then we're prepared for, listen to what he says, for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So maturity takes preparation. I think about this way, Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 11 says this, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you're, listen, slow to learn. Like, I don't like being called slow. Especially if somebody's like, dude, are you slow to learn? Because really what you're telling me is you're stupid. So the writer of Hebrews is saying this to the people. Listen, I know I got a lot to say about this, but it's hard for me to get through your thick skull because you're slow to learn. That's what he's saying. Listen to what he says. In fact, though, by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word over and over again. In other words, it's not just the fact that you've got a thick skull. You're not listening. Because somebody got to teach you over and over and over and over. And after a point, that just becomes insanity, right? Listen to what he says in verse 13. Or, sorry, continue on. Over and over and over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature. So here's the big picture. God wants you to start off with spiritual milk, and God wants you to pursue and move on to what? Strong, solid food. The food that he offers through his word. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, one of the favorite things. Listen to what Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. So what's the role of maturity or how do I grow? I have to understand that maturity is preparation or it takes preparation. And listen to what he says. The body is built up until we all reach unity in the faith. You know, here's one of the things that I oftentimes hear from people is like, man, I just don't know. I don't like being a part of the church because there's so much hypocrisy. There's so much disunity. There's so much 
conflict. You want to know why there's conflict and disunity and hypocrisy? Number one, let me clarify. Hypocrisy is a result of sin in our lives. And what we all have to understand is sin is why Jesus came in the first place. And the Bible is very clear that I don't go on sinning to fulfill my evil desires, but I should follow him obediently. But that's the answer to hypocrisy. But let's think about why is there conflict? Why is there conflict? Because there's people involved. And all of us in some way, shape, or form have our idea about how we think things ought to be run or how we ought to be treated. And sometimes, let's be real, sometimes somebody steps on our toes. Now let me be clear. If somebody steps on your toes with the truth of Scripture, that's called accountability. And if you get all bent out of shape because you're being held on, by being called on the carpet or held accountable for things that you're doing wrong, you get bent out of shape, that's on you. Now, let me clarify also, it's not your job to play God's police. It is our job to speak the truth with grace and love. And when I speak the truth with grace and love, then I extend grace because I know that everyone's a sinner saved by grace under Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, then, I extend grace to those who may have offended me. But here's oftentimes how we like to do it. Just like a kid. I'll take my toy and I'm going home. I'll show you and I'm out. Which looks like what? a big old fat temper tantrum in the floor in front of everybody else. And it's like, whoa, what, what, what's going on? Listen to what he says one more time. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. What are we unified around? Faith in Christ, right? We're unified around the fact that we believe that Jesus Christ is the only way because he says he is the way, the truth, and the life. We believe that Jesus died on the cross for all of mankind and that the Bible is very clear that whoever confesses with their mouth Jesus is Lord and believes that God raised him from the dead will be saved. And so we're unified around the truth that all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And then it says, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure, the fullness of Christ. As I grow in that relationship with others, as I grow in that relationship with God first and then grow in that relationship with others and we begin to work towards the unity of the faith and we begin to say, listen, I can set aside personal preferences for the benefit of the body and I can begin to set aside those things, those desires and I begin to look and say, how can I serve you and how can I help you and how can I love you and how can I pray for you? Then, listen, then we work towards maturity, then we grow and then, listen, we attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You know, over and over and over again, we quote that verse, that Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. An abundant life comes when it's lived in the fullness of Christ. When I walk in obedience to what Jesus has called me to do, that is what maturity is. And that's when I can sit back and I can go, hey, listen, it's not that big a deal. I do like this. And please hear me out when I say this. And my wife and I have talked about it. There are songs we do I absolutely hate. Do you know what we do? We still do them. You want to know why? Because I'm not going to sit back and go, I'm not going to do that stupid song. I hate it. I hate the words. I don't like, I'm serious. She'll tell you. I'm like, I hate that song. I hate the rhythm. I hate the words. I don't like it. Now, here's what we'll always say the way we do our music. Our music will always be Christ-exalting and theologically accurate. Christ-exalting, theologically accurate. 
boom, we're done. I don't care about the tune. I don't care. We, we've got to get past those things. Those are just things that Satan wants to use to, to, to create disunity. What is the, 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 the goal of maturity? Unity in the faith. So that's what we're going to push for. Maturity takes preparation. Number two, maturity allows us to stand firm in truth. Listen to what he says in verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Here is what is important. My job is not to do the work of ministry, but to help you find out and unleash the giftedness on the world around us. But I have to understand this. As you do that, as you grow, you have to understand that an infant is tossed to and fro. It's like a ship without a rudder. Matter of fact, when I was in the Navy, we would do these dead at sea or we would be dead in the water drills. And if anybody, anybody ever been on a boat, let, let's even just throw out a, a boat that's dead in the water. Yeah, it's not fun. Matter of fact, not too long ago, Chris took us out. The very first time we went on the boat this summer with Chris and his family. And we get out there and uh, we're going along perfectly fine. We're tubing and everything. We stop for some reason. We shut off. I don't remember. We pull in the tube and all of a sudden the boat won't start. We're out in the middle of Blue Springs like boat won't start. Just. We had to get towed to shore. We got towed to shore. We held the boat up against the dock. I disconnected the battery. Me and Chris got in the truck. We drove to O'Reilly in Blue Springs, got a battery, drove back, put it on, it went off. But you know what's not fun? A boat that's dead in the water. But listen to what happens. When I am an immature person, I am just like a boat that's dead in the water. He says, we will no longer live as infants or no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Can I tell you one of the things that I believe has gone on over the last year? We have fallen prey to a lot of winds of teaching that have led us astray in multiple ways rather than obedience to God. We're following media thought processes and desires. We're following political agendas and desires rather than following God's word. And as a result, because we are infants or because we are immature, we're tossed to and fro. Matter of fact, let's just be honest. If we stick to the truth of scripture, we have to begin to understand that what is going on in our politically correct culture and climate is anti-gospel and anti-Jesus. And I know that the minute I bring some of these things up, the people are going to begin to go, oh, that's not love, that's hate. No, it's truth. Let's be realistic about when psychology trumps biology and science. I always find it amazing how science is the very thing that dictates what we should believe. But when science disproves the very belief that I'm trying to say, that all of a sudden psychology trumps biology. In other words... It's okay to change your sex because that's the way God made you. You just got to find a real person. No, that's the cunning and craftiness of man that's going to lead you astray into the depths of darkness. Matter of fact, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says, there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. So maturity allows us to stand firm in the truth. And here's the truth. You and I were gifted to use the things that God gifted us with in order to proclaim the good news of who Jesus Christ is. 
See, the world is attempting to teach people a different way, contrary to God's law, contrary to God's teaching, contrary to the way of Christ, and God's love is unconditional, but God's truth will not allow us to do or believe whatever we want. You hear that? God's love is unconditional, but God's truth will not allow us to do or believe whatever we want. That has to be the understanding we have to begin to understand. When I build my life upon the truth of God's word, then I respond in a certain way. Now hear me out when I say this. It doesn't mean I don't love people who say they're transgender. It doesn't mean I don't love people who say they're gay. It doesn't mean that I don't love people who don't love Jesus. It means that I show love with great grace and with great truth. But at the same time, I have to stand upon the truth of God so that, listen, again, I'm not misled by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming because again going back to proverbs there's a way that seems right to man but in the end it leads to death and number three the last one i want to wrap up with we said maturity takes preparation in other words i got to put in the hard work nobody else can do it for you number two we said that maturity allows us to stand firm in the truth that's what i would say is if you are a person who is cast to and fro by the waves you have to begin to understand i have to stand firm in the truth of god's word and number three that maturity leads to growth and love now you're going to stand there and go maturity leads to growth that's kind of the point of maturity you're growing yes listen to what he says in verse 15 and following instead speaking the truth in love we will in all things that means in every area of my life grow up into him who is the head that is christ Here's the point of every believer within the church body, to grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. So when we talk about the body of Christ, Jesus is the head of the body. And according to 1 Corinthians and according to Romans, that all of us are a part of the body of Christ. And each one of us plays a a, a crucial role within the body. Some of us are fingers and some of us are toes and some of us are armpits. And we could go a little bit farther, but maybe you just don't want to be that part. I don't know. (laughs) Right? Got to laugh. All right? But we're all part of the body. And the body needs every part. The body needs every part to be successful, to work efficiently, to be able to do what it's called to do. So he lays this out. Instead, speaking the truth in love. So we're talking about this. We grow in the love of Jesus, and we speak the truth in love. How I deal with things, I should deal with in love. We will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. And that's what he says. From him, from the head, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I always joke about this, but I play softball with a lot of these guys, and I just got to say it. You ever seen the guy that does all the upper body workouts and his legs look like chicken legs? Like, I, I, to me, like, I got chicken legs. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be point blank. I got, I got chicken legs like crazy. But at least my upper body ain't like 240 pounds of muscle. And then walking around with my little legs. Like, sometimes I see these guys, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that if you just ran as fast as me, I think your legs would break in half. Like, you got tiny legs. <laughs> but that's exactly what he's talking about here. The whole body, 
grows up and matures. And that means this is the development of the spiritual muscle of everybody within the body. That there's not a part that looks out of place. There's not a part that looks bulkier than others, but that we all work together because every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. All of us are needed. All of us grow together. Maturity leads to growth. And listen, ignorance and instability plague an immature person. The ploy of the evil one is carried out in the lives of men in their scheming and craftiness in a day and age where truth is relative and we shouldn't say things that bother other people. Jesus is pointing us in the right direction. And so listen, from Jesus, the whole body is joined together. So why is there unity in the faith? Because there's unity around Christ. Why is there unity in the body? Because there is unity in Christ that regardless of what I did in the past, here's the beauty about a relationship with Jesus. All of us have different pasts, don't we? Some of us grew up, like me, fighting a lot, getting into a lot of trouble, getting suspended, doing whatever it took to be popular. Others grew up without a family, and maybe you grew up and were a problem. Maybe you ended up in, in prison, or maybe you ended up in an addiction. Maybe you ended up with a broken marriage. Maybe in the end you had some difficulties and struggles. All of us have difficulties and struggles. All of us have a past, but the truth of the matter is, regardless of our past, that when we come into Christ, that all of those things, and this is the thing you have to remember about a relationship with Jesus, that everything that was in the past is gone. It's forgotten. It's forgiven. That when I put my faith and trust in Jesus, that I am a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I learn from my past. I can remember my past and say look at where I was and look at where I am now but the truth of the matter is that maturity leads to my growth and the love in my life so that I can be more and more like Christ in every response that's maturity I mean let's be realistic honestly you know I talk about this could you imagine a pastor sitting up here just throwing an absolute temper tantrum I'm pretty sure it'd be my last Sunday And if you'll remember a couple weeks ago, I said, what's the difference between me and you? Calling. Otherwise, when it comes to the role of ministry within the body, when it comes to the role of growing and maturity, there is no difference. Other than the fact that God has called me to shepherd, to lead, and to lead the way. And to lead with grace and truth, and to teach the truth, to not, to correctly handle the word of truth, to not be ashamed of God's word. All of those things play out. But listen, that is a calling for all of us. So we grow in love, and we grow more and more into Jesus who is the head, because through Jesus we grow and build ourselves up in love as each of us do our own part. See, Christian, minister, or Christian maturity or growth does not occur in isolation. Did you hear that statement? Christian maturity or growth does not occur in isolation. It grows in community. It grows in relationship. It grows as we come together with each other to discuss, read, pray about, and serve and minister to each other through God's word. That's Christian maturity. And so here's what I want to close up with or wrap up with is this. 
maybe, just maybe, you could sit back and you could say that over the last year, I have definitely shown some immature traits and characteristics. And let me be very clear on this. I think in some way, shape, or form, everyone here could raise their hand. We are all works in progress. And please hear me out when I say this, because I believe as a pastor that no one is going to be fully mature until you are dead and gone and Jesus makes you into what you're supposed to be. But that doesn't excuse the fact that it is my role and my responsibility to grow in my relationship with him. So the statement is always this, where I am now is not where I should be in a year from now. Where I'm at in my walk with Jesus, where I'm at in my relationship with others is not where I should be a year from now. As a matter of fact, Chuck Swindoll, a great pastor down in Texas, says this, when you have a vision, it affects your attitude. And your attitude is optimistic rather than pessimistic. And so some of us may have a pessimistic attitude towards this idea of maturity and growth, but listen, your attitude affects it. And so how I approach this idea of wanting to grow in my relationship has to be an understanding that there is great hope that you and I can grow, that we can continue to grow. I think one of the hardest things about growth is for people who have been believers for 60 years to say, I still need to mature. Because all of us can identify areas or places in our life where we know that we haven't been obedient, we haven't followed God's teaching, we haven't stood on the truth. So listen to what he says, speaking the truth in love. As we speak, here's the great thing about the gospel. It's, it's God's truth in love form. Right? Like Jesus Christ on the cross is God's truth in love form. He shows his love while he dies on the cross for us while he bears the weight and the burdens of our sins, while he goes to the cross for those he knows will never believe. He goes to the cross for those he knows that will continue to sin. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for me. So maturity leads to growth and love. So here's what I want to give. I want to give you six things, just real quick. You can write them down if you want, if you want to sign up. And I'm going to give a plug for our new members class that's going to be October 10th, directly following service. If you're interested, you could sign up, see me, let me know. We'll have a lunch for you. Following church, we'll be downstairs. We'll go over our class about an hour long just to let you know what we are. But we've got six things that we request of our members. And they're not unbiblical things. These are biblical commands for every believer. Number one, I want to say this. I believe that membership has its privileges. Anybody remember that commercial? American Express. (laughs) I believe that membership has its privileges. It's called relationship. It's called knowing each other. It's called becoming a part of the body. And here's what we ask our members. Our commitment to you as a church is this, that we want to lead you into a mature relationship. Remember what it's our job? Our job is to prepare you for works of service. But here's the call for every believer who's a part of a church. Number one, to attend faithfully, to gather to worship. There's six G's, gather to worship faithfully. Now, I'm not going to play legalistic. They say now the average church attender or church member attends one week out of every four. I don't think that's faithful. To gather to worship 
faithfully, to grow in a gospel-multiplying community. In other words, we would encourage you to sign up for a life group, get to know people. The only way to get connected in a church is to get to know people. Number two, or number three, guard the unity of the church. Do you know how I guard the unity of the church? By refusing to gossip and by going to people when there is a problem that I go and seek out those people and say, hey, look, I just want to talk about this. I think anybody who would tell you this would tell you this about me. I don't care where you're at, what you deal with. If you have a struggle, I am an open book. If you say, I'm not sure about this, I got to ask a question. I've always said this from the day I got here. If you have a question, ask. If you don't ask, I have no clue. But we want to help you grow. Number four, we say we're going to go to the world by praying for the lost, by inviting the unchurched to attend, by being trained, listen, to take the gospel to the lost, and by warmly welcoming those who come in our doors for the first time, because it may be the last time if we don't make the most of every opportunity. Number five, that I'm going to use my gifts in service. I want to discover how God created me. I want to be able to be equipped to grow in, in my relationship with Jesus, but at the same time to invest in the lives of others by serving within the church. And then number six, we ask everybody to be generous in their actions. And when we talk about generosity, yes, we're talking about giving to the church, but we're also talking about being generous with everything that you do. Why? Because Jesus was generous first. So please hear me out when I say this. This is a kind of a plug for our, our new members class. But maturity in a relationship with Jesus, maturity is seen in those six things. Do I partake in those things? And I've heard people say, well, you can't tell me that the early church, you know, they met for worship. There was discipleship going on. Right? When I hear people say, well, I just can't get connected. Okay, well, when do you come? Sunday morning. Let's be honest, you're all sitting here looking at me. You're all hearing from me. Nobody's talking. Well, I mean, there are some of you guys talking. But, I mean, you're not building relationships through this. This is great time together, but you don't build relationships through it, do you? You build relationships through time, through investment, through commitment, through getting to know each other by listening, making yourself vulnerable, all of which we don't like. Everywhere we've moved, it's like, oh, man, we got to start off with new friends. Guess what? I love it. Not because I don't like my old friends. I like my old friends. I'm still friends with them. Because now we get a chance to broaden our connections and to become friends with more people that we get to grow with. And so I want to encourage you with this. The only way to get connected, I believe, within a church is to get connected, to get to know people, to put yourself out there. It's okay if you're an introvert. Not everybody's like me. My wife will tell you that. I can obviously talk to a brick wall. And if the brick wall talked back, it'd be even better. Right? I know not everybody's like that. But there is somebody here. I want you to know that everybody here wants to hear you, wants to know you. But there is somebody here who you can develop deeper, more intimate, a growing relationship with Jesus Christ in and through the church because you get to know them, not because you sit back and isolate. Remember, isolation is a sign of immaturity, but connectivity and relationship within the body is a sign of maturity. So here's what I want to do today as we're going to close. We're going to close with this 
last song, we're going to have the praise team come up. If you're interested in being part of our church, we want to encourage you to sign up. October 10th, we've got that. You can do the connection card. You can place an offering plate. You can sign up at the back. Do we have sign-ups on that for them to sign up electronically? Okay, do, my fa- do me a favor. Grab the, the, the card in front of you, the connection card, if you're interested. Listen, going to this lunch and going through the membership class does not make you a member. At the end of the class, we ask you to commit to become a member. We're asking you to say, hey, yes, I want to be. If you go to the class and you're like, hey, you know, not quite yet. We're still feeling some things out. That's okay. And please hear me out. I'm not a used car salesman. I'm not going to pressure you. I'm not going to stand there and be like, buy the car, buy the car, buy the car. Isn't this a great deal? I'm not that dude. I really not. And please hear me out when I say this. I know that our church isn't for everybody. And if you're looking for a church, you say, hey, look, Pastor, I, I really like you, but you know what? I just don't feel like this is a place. Come talk to me. Because I got lots of buddies around the city that I know are great pastors and they got great churches and I'd be willing to say, hey, you ought to go check this dude out. Because I really like him. Matter of fact, I wish he'd come over here, but he's over there. And that's better. Because together, we accomplish more as churches when we work together. So please hear me out when I say this. This may not be the place for you. I love you. And I'll help you out to find the place where you can connect and you can grow, and you can be a part of committing to reaching and helping them reach their mission that God has called them to do. Father, we thank you for your great grace in the sending of your son Jesus to die on the cross. We thank you for the promise and the hope that he gives us, that he wants us to have a life and life more abundantly. And God, I also know today that maybe we just identified personally where we're at, that maybe there are some immature things that we've got to work through. And God, it's okay because we know you want to grow us into what we are to become. And so maybe be people who are teachable, who are moldable, just as the potter with the clay that you would mold us into what you want us to be. Because there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end leads to destruction. But God, we know that you have a life full and abundant for us. And God, I pray that we would just mature to grow into what you want us to be. That we are controlled by the head who is Christ. And that we can put our actions and our gifts to work to build up the body. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.